The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And if you're listening to the AI Today podcast for the first time, maybe you are here to listen to this amazing episode, uh, you are in for a treat. We have some great experts who are going to share with you some really cool insights about AI. But part of the reason why I'm telling you this is because you may not be aware that we have almost 200 episodes that we've been recording over the past four years of AI Today. And we've interviewed some really incredible people, you know, from Ben Gertzel, SingularityNet, to Colin Angle, founder of iRobot, Anthony Scrifignano of Dun & Bradstreet, Igor Perisic, Chief Data Officer of LinkedIn, and Suzette Kent, the U.S. Federal CIO, Jose Arrieta, Lord Tim Clement-Jones of the U.K. House of Lords, and so many people, companies from GlaxoSmithKline to Wells Fargo, organizations of all types, governments around the world, and people who are doing some really interesting things and some really cool innovation in the area of AI. And what we do in these podcasts is we spend time explaining these key insights into AI and cognitive technology markets and how different use cases and different industries are applying AI and concepts and emerging concepts in AI and machine learning and just in general where the AI markets are heading, some cool insights. So long story short, if you want to understand how AI is being put into practice today and where it is heading, please do make sure to subscribe to the AI Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider and listen to our hundreds of episodes. Yes, but we're so excited to have with us today Gideon Mendels, who's the CEO and co-founder of Comet. So hi, Gideon, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Kathleen. Hey, Yaron. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Comet. Definitely. So as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Comet. Um, for the listeners who don't know, Comet provides a self-hosted and a cloud-based machine learning platform to essentially allow data science teams to track, compare, explain, and optimize experiments and models. Um, you know, as a company, we support some of the biggest and best enterprise machine learning teams in healthcare, tech, media, financial services, and, and other industries. Uh, personally, I actually started my career as a software engineer about 15 or 16 years ago. And I shifted to working on kind of applied machine learning about seven years ago, first as a grad student, mostly work, worked on speech processing and natural language processing. Um, after that, um, I had my own startup again in the NLP space. And after that, I was at Google, uh, where I was working on deep learning research. And specifically, we were working on detecting hate speech on YouTube comments using uh, deep learning models. Yeah, that's that's really a great application in general for automated systems. It's very hard for, for humans to, to just manage the mountains of, of tasks that are needed for moderation. So great use of, of uh, AI and a great applied use of AI. And it's cool that you bring into that. So let, let's sort of bring this into now. I know that what you're doing with Comet, a lot of it's helping people make be- these better models and, and uh, iterate better and manage these models. So maybe you could tell us a little bit and our listeners about what are some of the challenges that organizations face today when they're trying to build machine learning models into production? Definitely. And, and that's a great question. And, um, you know, I, I like to use the word build rather than deploy, because from our view at Comet and kind of working with these like very business focused machine learning teams, 
the biggest challenge in getting a model to production isn't the actual deployment or the DevOps problem behind it. It's really a building a model that's good enough to justify deployment, right? So when we think about machine learning, it's it's actually very different than software engineering, both from a process perspective, methodology, the tools, everything about it is different. You know, machine learning is a iterative process. There's many pitfalls uh, in the way and you know, whether it's you're optimizing for the wrong metric or you're leaking your target or you're just working on a data set that doesn't have enough signals. So eventually it really comes down to be building a model that meets the business KPI. Um, and most of the teams out there are really struggling with that point. Um, and like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that can contribute to that, but uh, a big part of it is the lack of kind of processes and tools of, of doing these things in a safe and uh, a predictable way. Yeah, you know, it's it's great that you gave that explanation. I know that a lot of companies are now starting to bring, they're starting to build models and think about, you know, how they can incorporate machine learning into their their company. So why is it important to have a tool for data scientists and teams to track, compare, explain, and optimize experiments and models? That's an excellent question. And I think a lot of companies uh, learn that the hard way, but really it's it's impossible to run a, a team successfully without a system of record of your work. I mean, um, and that's true for most job functions, not just machine learning, you know, whether it's GitHub for software teams or Salesforce for sales teams, HubSpot for marketing and so on, you really need a central system of record to manage these processes. Um, and, and again, like other system of records on other job functions, once you have that, like in, in our case, an experiment and, and a model management platform, it provides value to anyone who's involved in the machine learning workflow. So whether it's data scientists that's looking to track their experiments, compare and understand why one model is doing better than the other, is there bias or issues with the model? Um, through the software engineer that uh, needs the actual binary to, for deployment, all the way to the manager that wants to track and have visibility of uh, the team progression, and eventually maintaining all that institutional knowledge about research, experimentation, metrics, and models within the organization and not in people's you know, personal notes, for example. Yeah, that's great. You know, and for teams that maybe you know have small data science teams right now, or they're looking to grow. How can tools such as Comet help? And, you know, who, who are they designed for? Is it for a team of, of two? Is it for a team of 10? Is it for, it doesn't matter the size? Maybe you could explain a little bit more about, you know, how that works and why it's important. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, like like most system of records and in these tools, we actually provide value from, you know, the individual contributor to, to larger teams. But per your question, Kathleen, um, it really starts to hurt once you have more than two or three data scientists. If, if you only have one or two, you can kind of get around because it's, again, a very small team and communication is easy. But as you start scaling up um, for more than two or three people, it gets really, really painful. When Once you get past 10 people, it's impossible. It's actually impossible to run these teams successfully. Um, so, you know, on, on the common side, we have, you know, a community product that's used by many, many individual contributors, you know, uh, over 15,000 of them. Um, and those could be grad students or individual contributors at a startup or a larger enterprise. Uh, but our enterprise offering is really focused on these like more larger teams. And more importantly than everything, we focus on, on teams that are, are, are building models for business value rather than um, just focus on kind of innovation centers or, or, you know, academia research, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense, you know, because we're starting to see the use of machine learning 
more and more broadly across a very wide range of, of uh, implementations and industries. It's kind of really interesting now to see kind of where and how it, uh, the you know, technology and these approaches are being used. And that's part of the reason that, you know, we're crossing the chasm, as it were, right? We're moving from, you know, technology that might have only been used by early adopters and, you know, innovators who are solving some really gnarly problems who may have large teams, a very, very, you know, detailed, you know, oriented teams. And now we're starting to see machine learning used more broadly by folks who may have had no experience or very little experience and very small teams. So, you know, one of the one of the thoughts, of course, is that this machine learning space is pretty broad. There's a lot of technology and there's a lot of of, of different components to to think about. So, you know, how do you see sort of the solutions that you've been talking about fitting into the overall machine learning ecosystem, all the tools and solutions that are out there. And how do you see this space evolving over the next few years? Definitely. And and I, I really agree with your point that we're in this uh, transition period where, uh, like you said, kind of crossing the chasm. And, and this is very similar. We're seeing a very similar thing on this machine learning ecosystem and, and the MLOps lifecycle in general. Um, kind of like the first wave of solutions were end-to-end platforms that solved everything for you, right? Uh, but as, as the market has evolved and the technology evolved, we actually believe things are going to move from like a, like a platform to an actually stack. So very much similar to what we see in the software engineer world where uh, you don't have one vendor or one solution that solves everything. You build your own stack based on your needs. Um, and you know that stack will be built from basically a best of breeds approach. So whether it's open source, cloud providers, or commercial vendors, every organization will build their stack based on what they need. So that's something that's we've we've seen happening the last couple of years and more and more teams that we speak to are taking that approach. Um, and we we see less and less of these like platform plays, whether they're internal within organizations or vendors trying to, to approach it, um, trying to solve the whole ecosystem it's just way too much scope for one team to build. Um, so that's very exciting to see because as we have specialized vendors like Comet and others that focus on other pieces of the workflow, uh, we can actually give significantly more value to our uh, users and customers. Yeah, you know, one area that, that I know that trips up a lot of organizations even before they start uh, their machine learning journey are issues around data quality, data quantity, uh, which in many cases has nothing really to do with with the AI efforts. It's just you know maybe they just don't have a sufficient quantity. Maybe they haven't spent enough time doing data preparation, or or maybe they have issues with data privacy. There's lots of things. So when when you're seeing these organizations, especially early in in the game, how how do you how do you help make sure these aren't so showstoppers? And how do you how do we kind of help help these organizations get past some of these pretty gnarly problems around data quality? Yeah, I mean. Uh, data quality is, is, like you said, it's a major issue. And, you know, again, these models are 100% data driven. So it's, it's, it's not surprising. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, there isn't like an easy solution for, uh, you know, data cleanup, data ingestion, feature engineering, and, and so on. That's really the work of the data scientists, bringing the business understanding um, and combining it with what they see with the data. Um, at Comet, we, we don't focus on, on data cleanup or data ingestion, but as, as, uh, data science starts feeding that data into the model, whether it's earlier in the process or later, we actually have capabilities to show them how the model is reacting to that data set. So um, whether it's using kind of advanced confusion matrices that show you where your model 
um, is getting things wrong on classification tasks or uh, using uh, explainability methods such as SHAP and LIME to allow you if, if there's any features that are showing bias or anything, any, any behavior that doesn't make sense. So we, we take the approach of showing you the model reaction to the data rather than just looking at the raw data itself. Um, and both are needed in, in any case. Um, but given we're kind of experiment and model management platform, that's our focus. That's great. You know, I know that this space is constantly evolving and, uh, you know, from a few years ago to now, things have have grown tremendously. I think that a lot more companies are thinking more strategically about artificial intelligence and machine learning um, and, you know, how they can best apply it and not just large organizations anymore. So more specifically, maybe where do you see things headed in the next few years with regards to data, AI and ML? And maybe if you can provide a specific example of how you've seen something transform. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think we're going to see many, many more models, um, both in, you know, software products and internally kind of optimizing business processes. So I think, you know, while most Fortune 100s today out there might have, you know, handfuls of, handful of models in production, um, we actually believe that the number is going to grow exponentially. And we're already starting to see that. And, you know, most of these models will be very simple. Um, they don't have to be fancy or complicated, but they're going to be simple and effective. In addition, you will see more and more kind of like AI-first companies, like you know, self-driving car companies, where the model is the core of the business. Um, another point that kind of relates to Ron, what you shared earlier is, and, and this is one of the transitions we started to see, is we really see every software engineer starting to pick up these machine learning capabilities, right? Um, and, and when you think about it from an engineering perspective and when you encounter a problem, in some cases, the right approach is to write, you know, a conditional if-else statement. In some cases, you need something a little bit more robust, like a you know, regular expression, perhaps. Um, and in some cases, you need a model. And, and machine learning is a super powerful tool, but it's not necessarily the right tool for every problem. So as, as the industry and, and kind of like the market evolves, we believe that all these software engineers are going to build, you know, a large amount of models. So we're going to actually see like simple and effective models in almost every intersection in, in both business operations and software products. Yeah, I think that's really, you know, interesting insight. I, I'm kind of building off each other here because because <laughs> I like how you're saying like, well, it's this insight about the fact that, you know, we're starting to see uh, machine learning used more broadly. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a good point to be made. I mean, if you think about things like mobile application development or cloud or web, you know, any of these other sort of previous transformational waves, it's not like we carved out a specific part of the organization and say, okay, you guys are mobile and you are web and you are cloud or something. It was sort of like a tool in the toolbox, right? That doesn't mean that everybody needed to know everything and you have back-end engineers that never touch a website ever or you have cloud engineers that will never deal with mobile or whatever. But but you're right, it becomes now this like sort of um, a the collection of the things that the organization is doing, um, you know, one actually one of the things we're seeing. I want to see if you guys are seeing it. Kind of where do you where are you seeing the data science organization in many companies? Is it uh, you know sitting in the technology part of the organization, the IT or the CIO side, or is you sitting it seeing it? It's just an extension of the line of business. You know, maybe they're part of finance or sales or operations. You know, just from your own experience, where are you seeing these these teams uh, in the organization? Definitely, and and I think. Uh, by the way, I think that's one of the biggest questions we have as an industry is like, where does the data science organization live? Um, and I think a lot of organizations are uh, struggling with that uh, because 
usually with complicated problems, there isn't a single easy answer here. So we typically see, we see both, right? So we see kind of dedicated machinery teams that are part of the, you know, the, the CIO, CTO side of the organization. And we see data scientists that are part of kind of line of business organizations. Um, and it, it really depends on the organizations. Typically where we see more, more success um, is with those dedicated machinery teams that are not necessarily part of, of a line of business. But I, I want to uh, add a caveat there is that's when a team is working on kind of like adding a model into a specific product rather than trying to optimize specific services or operations within the business. So if, if so the model that we don't recommend to companies is having this like internal consultancy where you have maybe like a center of excellence doing AI ML, giving services to the different line of businesses. That we find typically does not work because there's so much business knowledge needed to solve these actual problems. And in that case, having the data scientist part of the line of business organization uh, um, is actually more successful. So I guess it really depends what you're trying to do with the machine learning, whether you're trying to put it in your product or you're trying to optimize internal business processes. Uh, and depending on that, we've seen kind of different levels of success. Thanks for your insights on that. You know, we, we always like to ask that question because we like to get a broad range of different opinions on that. And it seems to be you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies are putting it in their line of business. That's what we are traditionally seeing. All right, Gideon, this has been, you know, such an incredible podcast. And we'd like to wrap it up by talking about, you know, skills in the market and how can companies best address this this gap that that we have with data scientists? Um, how can they upskill and reskill their current workforce to help enable the skills that are needed and kind of build it in-house? Definitely. And that's a great question. And it touches upon kind of like one of the points we discussed earlier, where we see uh, more and more software engineers picking up these machine learning capabilities. And we've seen tremendous success with companies that have a strong engineering force, software engineering force, um, and, and bringing in internal, you know, whether it's courses or other type um, of education to bring up these software engineering to like machine learning capabilities. And again, like you always have your researchers, PhD, postdocs building the most sophisticated models. I'm not talking about those kind of problems. It's more about where you can bring, there's a lot of low hanging fruit within these businesses for machine learning and your software engineers are the best candidates to actually uh, address that. So um, bringing in, um, um, whether it's an external firm or internally building like an education program to teach machine learning to software engineers um, have been very successful for some of our customers. Well, that's fantastic. And I think, I think that's what people want to hear. I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this, to this podcast, some of them are managing teams. Some people want to be part of teams. <laughs> some people are just trying to figure out where, where, where they are in this world and what, what the future holds for them. So I want to say thank you very much, Gideon. You really gave us a lot of fantastic insights. And you know, I, I know that our listeners got a lot out of listening to you on this podcast. And we encourage people to follow up and take a look at what Comet is doing take a look at some of our show notes. We have links to all, all these things, but Gideon just wanted to give you an opportunity to say thank you and for joining us and sharing these insights on the AI Today podcast. Definitely. Ron, Kathleen, thank you so much for having me today. It was, it was a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, indeed, if any, any one of the listeners are interested more about experimentation and model management, understanding how to make your machine learning data science seem more successful, feel free to follow up. Uh, but again, thank you so much for having me today. 
Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at Cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.